Bright Spark scheduled NJPW Battle in the Valley on the same night as AEW Full Gear. I mean, I know that they're doing work together, and I know there's an open door or a private door or a patio door or whatever it is, but it shouldn't be a revolving door. At the moment, there are too many people to get through the door. And, you know, it's bound to suffer because AEW is the American equivalent of NJPW in a way. Okay, it's more sports entertainment, but NJPW hasn't got that huge American experience yet. I made my choice and it was NJPW. And you know, it wasn't bad. There was some really good stuff on this, but I have to say, filming wasn't particularly good. Some of the people looked a bit washed out. It didn't look sort of you know, sharp, pin-sharp filmic quality, which is what we expect now. Sam was a bit ropey on occasion as well. But anyway, let's talk about the actual matches because that's what we're here for. Is it not? First up, we got Yumara versus Josh Alexander. Really good match, actually, this. Because Yumara's um, not particularly um, experienced. Josh Alexander thinks I'll go out and... Maybe he didn't, but he seemed to have the arrogance of someone who's got a lot more experience. And um, after he'd taken him down early on, Josh Alexander, just aimed a, a kick to his head as if to say, yeah, you're nothing, you. Hit some massive chops, and, and Yumura almost in, in the corner, almost begs off. But carries on with some huge chops of his own, and then an enormous standing elbow, and elbow drop, should I say, and a sort of elbow chop. It's not a forearm, it's an elbow chop, it's massive. He gets the cross arm breaker early, and um, Alexander he gets out, but he's hammered by a forearm at the same time. Goes for the three amigos, does Alexander, but Yumora gets to the ropes at the second one, and then hits a fisherman suplex of his own for a long two. Alexander at this point must, must be thinking, well, there's more to this than I thought, to be honest. He cinches in at Scorpion Deathlock, does Josh, but doesn't really sit back on it enough. Then he goes for the leg lock. Yumura gets to his feet and transitions to an armbar. And Alexander rolls him up, so he breaks that. Very nice, actually. Then Alexander gets that ankle lock that he's so famous for. And he's kicking him on the back at the same time, as if to say, got to make sure here. And he gets the tap. That's nice, actually. It's a good match to start. It was violent, it was brutal, it was stiff, and it had some character to it as well. Bateman and Mysterioso versus Dickinson and Brody King. Violence Unlimited still being pushed, even though they're no longer really in ROH, although ROH is still a thing, I suppose. I don't know. This was all right. Nothing fantastic, but okay. Some of the highlights from this were that... Um, Brody King destroyed Bateman with a cannonball and a belly to back. Um, yeah, Mysterioso into Bateman as well, which was nice. He, he, back, he backed him into Bateman, really. Um, and there was some lovely work from Mysterioso. Fantastic moonsault um, on Brody King on the outside. They were fighting on the outside. Suddenly... 
Kevin Kelly shouts, What the hell happened? Dickinson's in the ring, spark out. Bateman gets the pin. We don't really know what happened. We're looking to see whether or not there's anything uh, wrong with Dickinson and whether um, whether he's going to be all right. And now I hear that he was injured during that match. That's why they had to go to the finish. Frog splash and he hurt his hamstring. Stretch it off at the end. I really hope he's all right because you know what? He's been pushing, pushing, pushing forward and that was... He's been something very special recently and I really hope that there's not a pause there. Okay, this should be something special. Team Filthy versus Fred Rosser and Coglin and Rocky Romero and Alex Zane and David Finlay. Now, there's some recent history for this because as we know, Tom Lawler was handed his first NJPW loss, or is it NJPW Strong loss, by Rosser on the last episode of Strong. And um, Lawler was a bit angry about that and cut Rosser's hair. He did. And, he, and then proceeded to chew on it. Rosser was cut down to the, um, to the scalp and I ruminated and cogitated at the same time. Although you must be careful. You can go blind, you know, with that sort of thing. And um, he, um, I wonder whether he thought, whether he said to people, look, I'm going to shave my head anyway. So just really cut it. Or whether they just done it by mistake. Uh, or got too overexcited by it. He's certainly bald now, and he looks good actually with a shaven head and that little goatee tash. And there was a febrile feeling here. They all seemed to be quite angry. But this match didn't crowd each other out considering how many men there are in it. We start off early with what we wanted to see really, which is Rosser versus Lawler. Pot chops and punches from Rosser who went for it. They go to the outside um, and then Limelight um, takes over, but Rosser smacks him onto the apron. Just basically drops him back first on the apron, then all hell breaks loose. Great, back in the ring there's a nice Rosser dragon screw. Finley and Limelight get to work well. Finley, lovely tilt-a-whirl suplex there. Rocky Romero gets a chant, which is nice, and pays the, pays the people back with a missile drop kick. Really fast and really tough this match at this time. Early on, Co Coglin tries to gut wrench JR Kratos. He's, he's suplexed him before or got him up before, but Kratos is having none of it. Barges him out of the way. Superman punches him in the corner. Then there's a lovely spot where Zane is over the top on everybody except Limelight, who follows him. Then Rocky has a go. He thinks, oh, I'll get up and have a go at that. Next man to fly, Kratos. Yes, he flies over the top. There's a chant of holy shit, and never was that so apposite. Coglin managed it. He muscled up and suplexed Kratos. I mean, he didn't gorilla press him or anything, or hold him up for a, for a vertical suplex for two and a half minutes, but got him up there. Yeah, very nice, actually. And the West Coast Wrecking Crew got in with some of their really good work together. Those knees to the pin, very nice. But Rosser finished off with the pin. Power slam to Isaacs. Bit of a strange way to end it because there had been some higher spots than that. And rather than cranking up and up and up to something really stiff, you got a normal power slam. But that taken into consideration, this was a good match with good energy. And then we got something else which worked well. Jeff Cobb and TJP, representing the United Empire, versus Fredericks, the Alpha Wolf, and Clark Connors, the Rhino. It's actually all right. It's actually all right, this match. They have a good time. At one point, Cobb is standing on Connors, 
on Collins' back and pretending to surf. <laughs> That's really good, actually. Cobb picks up Connors and drives him corner to corner diagonally. Just picks him up one corner to the other corner, one corner to the other corner. So strong, such good muscle fibre, such good acrobatic work from Cobb. At one point, when he does a standing moonsault, Kevin Kelly just goes, oh, I can't, you know, how how dare you do that? How could he do that? It's really nice. Kevin Kelly's work is probably my favourite commentary work with Kozlov at the moment, actually, I have to say. There's a really nice Connors German suplex to TJP, who, you know, of, of the two of them, of Cobb and TJP, it's funny to say this, but TJP could be the weak link in this in this tag team. TJP a weak link? Come on now. Anyway, back in the ring, Connors spears Cobb, gets one on him, which is nice. And in the end, Connors, who's got, um, TJP's got a pin on Fredericks, Connors turns him over. The ref counts it. He saw TJP turn Fredericks over and did nothing. We know what the end that the ending is supposed to. We know what it's supposed to be. He'll know what it's supposed to be. But he clearly saw that happen. They should have gone home in a different way. It's a shame, and that really cheapened a match which I could have seen more of, to be honest. Okay, let's keep them coming. Renderita versus Will Osprey. Previous here as well. The young pretender versus the old and nasty stager. Well, you can't really call Will Ospreay old, but he's done loads. Narita comes after him early on. But they spill out to the back and Ospreay backdrops Narita onto the guardrail. His back right onto that guardrail. Horrible. It looked terrible. Well, I mean, it looked great, but it looked brutal. Lovely Osprey handspring kick. He's got such height and such speed on all those. It's extraordinary to watch, really. But Narita isn't any slouch. He's no slouch either, is the phrase that I think I'm looking for. And he gives Osprey a snap belly to belly on the floor. Osprey comes back with a standing somersault kick. All this stuff is extraordinary. I'm saying it, but it's extraordinary that they're doing it, you know? And then Narita calms it down a bit, but he's still got the energy that he puts into this Cobra twist. It's got a legacy in NJPW. Kelly explains that to us, and that's really good. I love his sense of the history of it. It's part of what makes him such a good commentator. He segues into a lovely fisherman suplex. Not Kevin Kelly, he was not in the ring, and that wouldn't be very good. Let Ren Narita and gets a long two for that. But then Osprey's back, it's back, it's back and forth stuff this. It's, it has a stunner, a counter into a stunner, which is lovely. And then Narita's trying for the leg lock um, for, for the Narita special. He gets it and Osprey is so, in such pain that the referee is holding out his hand to say, you all right? Osprey grabs his hand and bites it. <laughs> it is in pain, which is great. By now we've got chance of this is awesome. The crowd are correct. They're quite febrile, the crowd here. They're quite pushy. There's chants and all of that. It's nice. It's like a, it's like a, an independent show, which is really good. It's a really good feel. It doesn't sound like there's a reverential hush, as there is in Japan a lot of the time. And there's a reverential hush when we have a big promotion, like, I don't know, AEW or WWE. You know, this has got lots of nasty chants and obscenity and things, which is brilliant. 
well, you know, in, in this kind of forum, really. Anyway, back in the ring, Narita counters um, a move into a front face lock, which is always lovely to see. And then he kicks out of the Oscutter, but Osprey pins him with his blade move, which is just great. It's a great match. Osprey, well, <laughs> I mean, he's an extraordinary talent, isn't he? Just extraordinary. And it was lovely to see him. Next up, we've got Moose versus Juice. There's Moose and Juice in this hoose. It was okay, but it wasn't anything special. Moose has got such speed and such power. Even when he clocked his hand on the ring post, he could have broken it. He hasn't really, has he? Because he comes off the top, and at that point, Juice clocks him with the left hand of God and the pork friction, but only gets a two count. He didn't unpack that new move here, um, which was that backpack type move that he showed on, um, was it Stroll, the other week? It's a shame, really. And there's quite a lot of sort of things like, uh, oh yeah, Moose hits a superplex early on, a fast one, really gets up there quickly, gets in there. There's a kick out from that, of course. Juice hits a victory roll. They trade roll-ups for quite some time. And then Moose, out of nowhere, really, but that's because he's so strong and quick. It's the spear for the pin. It was hard fought, but it wasn't any kind of classic. Absolutely not. What happened afterwards might get the headlines because the headlines weren't how much like, like Macho Man Randy Savage. Juice now looks even down to the hair, unfortunately. But it was that Jonah Rock, the former Bronson Reed of the WWE, was out and saying, here he is. Moose went, we weren't sure whether he was coming to Impact or NJPW, he let Moose go and attacked Juice with a senton and when Finley came in to help his old mate, gave him one too. He's an NJPW and I for one could not be more delighted. Here's another one I've been looking forward to, Buddy Murphy at Matthews. Buddy Murphy is a former Buddy Murphy versus a Carter. Really, I mean, for his first match with NJPW in this period, they're pushing him right to the top. We'll put you towards the main event, so the semi-main event, and we'll put you in with Okada, who's our top guy. And it wasn't great. Buddy looked good, and there were some nice moments. There was a nice Murphy Topecon Hilo, and then a Buckle Bomb. Um, and Murphy got some real punches and smacks in so that Jeremy Marcus, um, referee Jeremy Marcus, was checking on Okada to see if actually they could stop, they should stop the match. He came back though, Okada, with his lovely tombstone pile driver, and then he made it rain. And that was the pin. Wasn't fantastic. And here comes Osprey for a stare down. They will fight in January. And I personally can't wait for that, because this one was a bit tepid. Buddy Murphy, well, of course, Ricardo will do great, more great work, we know that, but Buddy Murphy will be a great hand as well. He really will. And, uh, sorry, Buddy Matthews, should I say. Buddy Matthews, not Buddy Murphy. That's someone else entirely. Completely different. He will be great in the future, and I'm really pleased that they've signed him. I hope they have signed him long-term. Um, but here, it wasn't brilliant. 
And unfortunately, neither was the main event, which was a never open weight championship. White versus Ishii. Now, Ishii's been in White's head for ages and he's been living there rent-free, as they say. He has. You know, he's got a freehold. Yes, no, he's bought the freehold. And, and Jay White's saying, well, I got a minute. I thought I had the freehold. Well, no, you didn't secure it. So he's been to his lawyer and he's, he's well, hang on, this is my house. No, no, it's Ishii's house now. That sort of thing, you know. So he has, actually on the last episode of Strong, said he would fight him and here we are. There's some good work in this, but it isn't a killer. Um, there, were, there was lots of time left on the transmission and I thought, they're going to have a really long knockdown drag out affair. It was knocked down and drag out, but it didn't have an enormous amount of fire and it didn't have a great amount of energy either. But then Ishii does wrestle at a sort of mid-pace, really. Um, there's a very nice early on an Ishii power slam, competing chance, which is always nice to see. Let's go Switchblade, let's go Ishii. Okay, just so you know what they were. There's some great white chops as well. Um, and a... Uh, well, you know, when Ishii hit a superplex on White, he cut, it, it's extraordinary. He sort of jumps off the top turnbuckle, doesn't just fall, he jumps off it to get a little bit more extra power. Extraordinary, really. Now, White tried everything he had. He connected with a high lariat into a brain buster. It was a kick out at one. He tried for the, for the Blade Runner twice, didn't get it. Either it was it was counted or he thought, I don't want to get it. It's not right for me at the moment. It's a dragon suplex. And then Ishii turned white inside out and hit his brain buster. And I thought it would be a kick out. It was a pin. Ishii is the new never open weight champion. I'm not sure... How can I put this? I think that Jay White probably would have more high-octane matches as a champion than Ishii will, but Ishii is well over, and I know exactly what he does. And, you know, it's going to be difficult to take that belt off him because he's so strong and so tough. Um, Ishii versus Minoru Suzuki would be a good match for that never open weight championship. Blimey! you need a lot of squeegees in the ring after that to mop up all the blood, wouldn't you? It, it ended in an extraordinary way. People were surprised, and I'm not sure it's the best move to put the belt on him. Could be a transitional champ. Jay White could be beat up. He could be considering his next move. That was an okay event. Now, I get it as part of NJPW World, and I would have paid the money for the pay-per-view anyway, the PPAR pay-per-view anyway. If I'd have paid money, I might have been a bit disappointed with the quality of the picture, the quality of some of the sound, and some of the matches weren't great either, but the ones that were, were just fantastic. It'll be overlooked, and I've not seen it on being discussed on podcasts, and not too much on Twitter, because Full Gear was on at the same time. But you know, it is worth a look here, because when they're very good, they're the best. Ta-ta.